You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The system rewards black men for claiming an allegiance to violent street gangs and penalizes black men who explore and or legitimately adhere to a religious faith that supports male leadership. Think about it. Had Kyrie Irving retweeted the movie Straight Outta Compton, a biographical drama celebrating the satanic rise of in words with attitude and gangster rap music, there would be no controversy, zero. The NFL would ask Irving to crip walk at halftime of the Super Bowl. Kyrie Irving is a pariah. Meanwhile, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and Jay-Z are American royalty. That says something really negative about American culture. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Monday uh, to you and yours. Hope you had a great weekend. I did. I had an awesome weekend. I went to go see uh, the premiere of season three of The Chosen. They did the first two episodes. The Chosen is a series dramatizing the life of Jesus and the disciples. They did a movie premiere for season three the first two episodes. I went to go see it uh, Saturday. It was amazing. Uh, I also made the mistake Saturday of, uh, I had a friend in town and we took a five mile walk around the city of Nashville uh, in 35, 40 degree weather and I was not dressed appropriately. So I got a little sniffly nose. I'm hoping that, you know, I'm warding off all the COVID demons. Uh, devil get away from me in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, I think I'm good and we're gonna make it. Uh, but regardless, we're gonna have a great show. Uh, Royce White's gonna be here. Steve Kim's gonna be here. Coach Jason Brown, we're gonna review the NFL. Uh, but we're also going to talk a little Kyrie Irving. He made his return to the NBA last night. Uh, so we have a fantastic show planned for you. And we're going to start with me telling you guys about uh, this special Good Rancher just putting on for the holiday season. You know what would be a great gift this year? To take away inflation for someone you love. While you can't control their gas prices or home prices, you can't stop meat inflation for yourself and everyone you know and love. How? A subscription to Good Ranchers during their Black Friday special. Beef prices are expected to go up another 15% in 23. But Good Ranchers customers who use my code, FEARLESS, will experience 0% inflation all year long. That's because every subscriber locks in their price for the life of their subscription. If that's not enough to get you to subscribe, you can also get their Black Friday offer right now. That's two free 12-ounce Black Angus New York strip steaks and two free pasture-raised chicken breasts with any order that uses my code FEARLESS. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com to find the perfect box for you in their curated selection of America's best meat and seafood. 
Give the gift of zero inflation and America's best meat to yourself or someone you love. Good Ranchers award-winning service and quality are why they have over 7,000 five-star reviews. Remember to visit GoodRanchers.com and subscribe with my code FEARLESS at checkout to grab the Black Friday special, their best offer of the year, two free Black Angus Thanks steaks, two free pasture-raised chicken breasts, zero inflation, all with Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. You guys know my pitch. Good fearless soldiers feed their family good ranchers. It's a little thing we can do to support a business that believes in us and our way of life. All right, uh, let's, let me start a fire so that we can cook. Those of you that are ordering good ranchers right now, let me start a fire and so you can start thinking about when that good ranchers comes, I'm gonna actually cook it and I'm gonna cook it with this fire Whitlock's just starting on Kyrie Irving. Uh, let's say Kyrie Irving thought he was a woman rather than an Israeliite. Joe Biden would honor the NBA star with a Medal of Freedom, the nation's highest civilian honor. Barack and Michelle Obama would host a gay-led Martha's Vineyard for the 12-year pro. The founders of Black Lives Matter would welcome the point guard to one of their mansions to discuss the brilliance of Karl Marx. ESPN would hand the Nets player multiple ESPY awards for courage. The New York Times would write glowing feature stories. Hip-hop music executive Lear Cohen would insist that Little Nasty X, Cardi B, and Jay-Z make a posse cut extolling Irving's beauty. All the blue check pundits pretending that Irving's tweet of a movie poster was an existential threat to Jewish people would champion Irving as a historic trailblazer, and many of them would secretly slide into his DMs. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver might go as far as paying Louis Farrakhan's Fruit of Islam security force millions of dollars to protect Kyrie Irving. Unfortunately, Kyrie Irving thinks he's a Jew, not a woman. That's dangerous. That's aggressively discouraged in the NBA, which operates inside an American zeitgeist that aggressively polices the thoughts of black people. So the Brooklyn Nets suspended Irving for eight games and apparently insisted he complete some sort of communist re-education program. Sunday afternoon, before he was allowed to take the court against the Memphis Grizzlies, Irving apologized a third time, a third time, for tweeting a poster promoting a documentary that claims to reveal the true genealogy of American blacks. Take a listen. Uh, with all that being said, I just want to offer my uh, deep apologies to all those who are impacted uh, over these last few weeks, um, specifically my uh, Jewish relatives, my black relatives, uh, you know, all races and cultures. I feel like we all felt the impact and I don't stand for anything uh, close to hate speech or anti-Semitism or anything that is anti going against the human race. Uh, <clears throat> I feel like we all should have an opportunity to speak for ourselves uh, when things are assumed about us. And uh, I feel it was, it was necessary for me to stand in this place and take accountability for my actions. Let me go Rodney King. Can we all get along now? Can we all move on? Is this over? Or how many more apologies is Kyrie gonna have to do? I think many people in corporate media would love to move on from this. Their reaction to Irving has exposed the fraudulence of their revolutionary posturing and alleged desire to support the next Muhammad Ali. 
They've been exposed as gatekeepers and overseers. Their job is to police the thoughts of black men and prevent the rise of another Ali, Malcolm X, or even Martin Luther King Jr. The system rewards black men for claiming an allegiance to violent street gangs and penalizes black men who explore and or legitimately adhere to a religious faith that supports male leadership. Think about it. Had Kyrie Irving retweeted the movie Straight Outta Compton, a biographical drama celebrating the satanic rise of N-words with attitude and gangster rap music, there would be no controversy, zero. The NFL would ask him to crip walk at halftime of the Super Bowl. NWA released two albums, Straight Outta Compton in 1988 and N-Words for Life in 1991. The songs on both albums denigrate black people and promote immorality in every form. Corporate media used one song, F the Police, to argue that NWA was the West Coast version of Public Enemy. It's a joke and a lie. One song with a tiny kernel of truth does not justify the immorality preached on every other song. We don't apply that standard to other forms of art. Take, for instance, Hebrews to Negroes. The entire three-hour documentary must be disavowed because 10 minutes of it meet the Anti-Defamations League of Anti-Semitism. NWA's entire catalog meets any reasonable standard of anti-black denigration. But we can celebrate Dr. Dre, Easy e Ice Cube, Ren, and Yella. Kyrie must be punished, though. The double standard makes no sense unless you understand that popular culture seduces and requires black men to support their own demise. Joe Biden says we're not black unless we endorse the abortion of our seed, the empowerment of, empowerment of the LGBTQ alphabet mafia, and the worship of the matriarchy. We must hate Donald Trump, even though we spent decades celebrating him in rap songs. I'm not a Hebrew Israelite. I spent the past two weeks reading and talking about them, trying to get a better understanding of their beliefs. As best I can tell, their real agenda seems to be appealing to black men to live up to the laws and covenants spelled out in the Old Testament of the Bible. Some of them appear to be belligerent and racist. I've met and engaged with belligerent and bigoted Christians. Racial idolatry plagues mankind and all religious sects. I've yet to hear Kyrie Irving say anything that strikes me as bigoted. He tweeted a movie poster and corporate media overreacted at the behest of people who, in my opinion, have grown tired of Irving taking independent actions that black men are not supposed to do. Sunday night, following the Grizzlies Nets game, a reporter asked Kyrie if he would take responsibility for the thousand or so Hebrew Israelites protesting outside the Barclays Center. Irving declined to answer the question. Irving did not cause the protest. Brooklyn Nets owner Joseph Tsai caused the protest when he suggested Irving, when he suspended Irving for tweeting a movie poster. Had Tsai and Adam Silver ignored Irving's harmless tweet and respected his free speech, there would be no controversy. Why didn't they ignore Irving? Because he could be a super spreader of independent thought. The puppet masters of popular culture don't want any of us, black or white, Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, waking up to how they restrict the freedoms granted us by our Creator.
That's My Fire. I want to play one more Kyrie clip. I want to play the exchange between Kyrie and two reporters when he declined to respond to their questions. I, I, I want to play that clip so that we can uh, have some more context around this conversation before I bring Royce in. Can we play that clip? Hey, Kyrie. Um, there was a group of about 100 people outside uh, wearing the shirt of a group called Israel United in Christ, a group labeled as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Um, they were outside in support of you and handing out anti-Semitic literature on the plaza of people walking by. And I was wondering if I can get your reaction to that. I didn't see it. Uh, what happened? There was a group outside? There was a group outside, 100, possibly more. They were wearing a shirt uh, called Israel United in okay. Christ. Uh, they're a group labeled yeah, as a hate group a, by the I Soviet think that's a conversation for uh, another day. I'm just here to focus on the game. Kyrie, but you, you've said this whole time that you didn't know what kind of like, what basically what kind of voice you had. And but if these are the people that are out here in your name, don't, do you feel like you have, that's a consequence of what you've done? Uh, again, I'm just here to focus on the game. Kyrie should have told him, hell no. Because that's the game that they love to play. Who, who I mean, again, it, it, it's no different than what they did to Kanye and they put six people out on a bridge Talk about, oh, look, Kanye's words sparked these people to go on a bridge and do these anti-Semitic uh, signs. It's no different than January 6th. Ray Epps and all the other FBI agents planted in that crowd to stir up BS about the January 6th protesters. We, we don't have to play their game. We can see the truth in terms of Kyrie Irving's actions didn't cause the Hebrew Israelites to come out and support him. Joseph Tsai's reaction, overreaction, all the little puppets on ESPN and Fox Sports and, every, and TNT that came out and shredded Kyrie Irving. That's what provoked the Hebrew Israelites to come out. These people are liars or they're blind. I want to play, the, there's a, about a 58 second clip of of the Hebrew Israelites marching in support of Kyrie Irving last night. And for this clown to sit up there, there was probably a hundred people out there. Nah, that looked like thousands to me. Let, let, let's play that. This line goes on and 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 on forever. They basically surrounded the Barclays Center. There wasn't some hundreds, there were thousands out there. And you know what? I'm proud of them. Because this is what happens when the media fails to do its job. When the media strings up Kyrie Irving at the behest of the puppet masters, the people should rally up and support him. Because the media is failing to do its job. They don't have one shred of evidence of Kyrie Irving saying anything anti-Semitic. Not one thing. He retweeted a movie poster. And someone in the media with some common sense and a platform should have called BS on Joseph's side and the whole overreaction by the NBA and all these stipulations and we got to re-educate Kyrie. But if the media is a coward and bought and paid for Thank God, and I don't care what religion they practice, thank God some men showed up and showed some support for Kyrie Irving. 
Royce, uh, welcome to Fearless. Uh, glad to have you back. Uh, and, and I say this tongue in cheek, but I really am not cracking a joke. If this man thought he was a woman, he would be better treated by the media than thinking he's a Jew. And that says something awful about our culture. If he came out and said that he was a woman, they would build a statue of him outside the Barclays. They would build a statue of him and they would build a rainbow walkway or crossway that leads to the statue and in celebration and honor of, of how far our culture has come and, and how far the political discourse has come. You know, I, I think um, black people, you know, we went back onto the plantation in 1968 when the Civil Rights Act was passed. We, we went back onto the plantation and we've been on the plantation and now we're getting jacked into into a, an artificial intelligence matrix and the algorithms tell us what we should and shouldn't think. And anybody who wants to wake up from that and think on their own is, is a target to be persecuted and, and, and dragged through the, the streets as an example. I am watching this fallout to Kyrie Irving and, and I'm like, hey man, there's a policing of our particular thought as black men we are not allowed to think certain things. And th this connects to my entire narrative. Anybody that's listened to this show, and anybody that's listened to this show, I keep telling y'all, the black man, religious man, has played an incredible role in the success of America. The black religious man has been America's moral compass holding this country accountable and making it live up to its highest ideals. And there is a group of people that hate this country, hate this uh, constitution that we live by, want to take our uh, freedoms away from us, and they've devised a plan to silence black men of any religious faith. This, anybody that watched the show knows I'm a Christian. I'm not a Hebrew Israelite, I'm a Christian. But I'm not, men inspired by religious faith will stand on some principles that the secular just will not. And, and I think there is a calculated effort to control, and that's why Kyrie is such a target. They don't want black men thinking independently. They don't want them thinking they can be self-sufficient. They don't want them thinking, hey, you're one of God's children. You're chosen just like everybody else. They want nothing to do with that. And that's why Kyrie's being mistreated. And this is the multidimensional war that's taking place. This is a three dimensional and four dimensional political, social, economic war that's taking place. They're completely fine with black men uh, coming together under the auspices of whatever their political agenda is. And, and mostly the common thread, like I've said many times, is a rejection of God. Any coming together under the auspices of of God or or, or religious belief um, is is you know is something that is inherently opposed by the establishment, and they show it time and time again. I mean, the the, the establishment, and, and this is what I, I caution all black people and all people to understand and see. Look at the lines that they've divided themselves along. Look at the line that they've drawn in the sand and they indicate where you should stand as a person who has certain values or beliefs. And, and right now, I, I think that my, my biggest disappointment is that we've failed in large part to rally in opposition, which is why I'm 
proud to see the 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 IU uh, I mean the the Hebrew Israelites stand up in that way and that that doesn't mean that I have to endorse any and everything that anybody associated with the organization has said and the same goes for Kyrie Irving or Jalen Brown or anybody else who who was proud to see that black men could come together and stand up outside of a of a corporate institution the corporatocracy and let their voice be heard and 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 not be killing each other or or not be the the victims of violence against one another that is a proud moment for black people and it shows us that the white liberal establishment that claims to have our best interests at heart or have our lives mattering at the focal point of their movement is not what it's about. And and they've shown it time and time again. We have to get wise to it in our white, black, Latino, Mexican, uh, 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 Christian, Jew, Muslim, brothers and sisters all around the country and all around the world have to set aside our petty differences and, and rally. We have to rally right now. I argue at the end of my piece that basically there's a fear that Kyrie could be a super spreader of independent thought. And, 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 and I really sense in this t- that there is a real fear and a desperation like, oh, my God, the overreaction to Kyrie to me suggests that their control is very tenuous at best. And they're, they know that they can't keep running scam after scam after scam, psyop after psyop after psyop. And so they can't let Kyrie survive because, again, just like how Jalen Brown has grown a pair, they're very afraid others might. And, and it may, again, it's the Hebrew Israelites, those one, 2,000 men showing up could very quickly turn into 20,000 or 30,000 if they keep pushing this narrative. Absolutely. This is the Colin Kaepernick perfected and it's only going to it's only going to snowball from here. Right. This is this is the Colin. These are these two young men. Let's take Jalen Brown and Kyrie Irving or even myself as a as a young athlete still in the in the mix. Um, We are the culmination of of what Colin Kaepernick failed to do when Colin Kaepernick was uh, too afraid or unwilling to to confront the contradiction in the in the narrative. Um, individuals like us have, have stood up and, and Kyrie has stood up and been willing to do so. Now, I hate to see them, you know, force him to apologize in the way that they did. Uh, but but we all understand that there's a longer game being played. And, and my motto is no apologies, no selling out, no matter what. But I'm a militant and, and Kyrie Irving is a much a much more humble and and amenable uh, personality. And, and I think that this is far from over for Kyrie Irving and, and the NBA and the establishment. Because make no mistake about it, COVID's getting rebooted. I mean, when you see the G20 make a, make a coordinated decision, a consensus to bring vaccine passports when the pandemic is all but over, I mean, that's, that's pretty much a, a, a canary in the coal mine that we should brace for another pandemic. <laughs> so, uh, and, and we haven't had any accountability for the first one. We haven't had any accountability for the gain of function research. There's been no stop to the gain of function research. There's been no stoppage in the partnership or collaboration between us and other countries around gain of function research. And I only say that in this context because Kyrie Irving has still yet to be heralded and, 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 and celebrated 
for the man that he was for standing up at that moment. And they're not going to let him live that down. And at the time where they rise back up to really clip him out, it's going to take organizations like these black Hebrew Israelites and many others to stand up and rally around him. And at that moment, you're going to see a real sign and symbol of, of hope in this country. I, I think a lot of people were, oh, uh, Ryan Flores is going to sue the NFL. Colin Kaepernick's going to sue the NFL. I don't think any of those things were ever going to go anywhere real. Kyrie Irving suing the NBA for what they've done to him, I think that has a real chance, and he hinted at that uh, in his post-game press conference yesterday. Let's watch the clip. Kyrie, forgive me if you've been asked this already, but when you were suspended, there were a lot of players around the league, you know, Jalen Brown is one specifically that didn't like the way your suspension was handled. I'm just curious if you ever thought about filing a grievance or exploring those avenues at all. I got to leave that to my legal team um, and leave it to the, the warriors I have around me. I have some strong people, men and women around me that are going to do everything possible to make sure uh, that I'm protected and my family's protected and uh, we protect one another. So. Um, you know, I'm sure some things will uh, be done in the future, uh, but there's no timetable on that right now. Royce, I, I really think a lawsuit from Kyrie could be devastating to the NBA. Well, I, I don't think the lawsuit will be devastating in a in an economic sense. You know, they, they, their insurance will end up eventually paying whatever damages are due. Um, but from a from a from a viewership and an audience standpoint and a cultural standpoint, from a brand standpoint, um, it, it certainly it certainly has the potential to be. And, and I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Kyrie Irving bring an action. I think he should bring an action against the NBA. And I think the union should rally around him. And I'm glad that Jalen Brown has already made his you know uh, opinion clear on the matter, because that would hopefully mean that the union would support him the proper way. And the union could actually become a union, which it was not under the the leadership of Michelle Roberts and, and Billy King before her. Um, so I think Kyrie Irving right now is trying to be a good teammate, you know, be be somebody who, who made a commitment to play during this season and has ambitions to win and still and still wants to be a, a part of that organization from a athletic standpoint and a competitive standpoint. But I think he's being very strategic around the, the extra the extra basketball uh, things that are going on. And, and I applaud that as well. Sometimes you have to be strategic. You said Billy King. I think you meant Billy Hunter, who I actually knew yes, well and and. And feel like Billy Hunter, this Tamika, whoever they got running, this Yaz Queen, they got running it now. Her and Michelle Roberts have both been disasters. They've said nothing. The executive directors, that they're leaving it to the players. This is why you hire these executive directors. They're supposed to have a pair of balls. They're supposed to be surrounded by powerful lawyers. Uh, and instead, they're leaving this fight to Jalen Brown and Kyrie Irving. This union looks weak, but... You know, maybe it's some I, I've yet to see the executive director, this Tamika, whatever, and they put out one statement about Kyrie Irving and what's going on here and how his religious freedom and freedom of speech are being violated. Kyrie's going to have to seek outside help. And I hope he I think from a control of athletes perspective, Kyrie could blow this whole thing up. And I hope that he does. Uh, thank you, Royce. Uh, great job. Uh, we may see you tomorrow. Uh, I want to tell you guys uh, about CrowdHealth. Putting your life on autopilot is a guaranteed way to disappointment. If you carelessly buy a new house, marry just anybody, or make any other big life decision before taking care of yourself, 
What are you doing? Let's be honest. The insurance model is broken. Thanks to CrowdHealth, we can do something about it. CrowdHealth puts your health care back in your hands. Cut out the middleman, save money, and fund your health care costs without relying on big government or big insurance companies. Only pay the first $500 of any health care event. The CrowdHealth community takes care of the rest. No exclusive doctor networks, no huge premiums or high deductibles, no surprises. CrowdHealth beats insurance by totally reversing the vicious incentives that got us into this mess in the first place. So take charge of your health care today with CrowdHealth. Open enrollment is the only time you can hit the eject on a broken system without penalty, so don't wait. And for a limited time, join for just $99 per month for your first six months when you use the promo code FEARLESS at joincrowdhealth.com. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code FEARLESS. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for your health care. Terms and conditions may apply. All right, you can email me and us at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Brian Cosell, we'll talk some NFL. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Uh, time for some Korean co-sell. Time to talk some NFL uh, with, I'm going to say something nice about Steve Kim. He's not as ugly as he used to be. How about that? Uh, it's time to welcome in Steve Kim. Uh, Steve, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, want to talk a little NFL, and I'm going to sneak in a little college football conversation with you at the end as well. I, don't, I think you'll be prepared for that. But let's start with the biggest story coming out of the NFL yesterday. Dallas Cowboys mm. destroy mm. the Minnesota Vikings 40-3. to uh, This is a week after losing to the Green Bay Packers. Now everybody's ready to crown the Cowboys. How impressive were the Cowboys? Does it change your opinion on what their ceiling is? Yes, it actually does. And again, I don't want to overreact. This is a week-to-week league, but I thought the tone was set, Jason, literally on the third play of the game. Kirk Cousins, third down, doesn't get the ball off. Micah Parsons, sack, fumble, recovery, and then a few plays later, Dallas punches it in. Once Dallas got an early two-possession lead, the game felt over. It really did because one thing about Dallas's defense The way you really try to neutralize them is to run the ball. But if you're already down several possessions early in a game and you cannot run that ball, and then all of a sudden that fleet of pass rushers that comes from all over are able to pin their ears back, it felt – let's put it this way. That was supposed to be Ollie Frazier yesterday for a regular season game. (laughs) Uh, Then ended up being Larry Holmes beating up on Randall Tex Cobb for 15 rounds, okay? That was an absolute – beating and and there's a revelation that i had here we all talk about is this dak prescott's offense or is it cd lamb the number one personally watching that game and seeing what he did out of the backfield and the burst that he gives that offense this should really be a tony pollard offense 
I'm just telling you, I didn't realize he was that good out of the backfield. I don't really watch every play of the Cowboys, but this is a guy that if he's not going to be the heavy-duty 25-carries-a-game type of player, you make sure he gets 20 to 25 touches, and, and I would start designing stuff out of the backfield for him because that guy is an absolute weapon. He gives them juice. I love Tony Pollard and what he offers the team, the explosiveness, the home run ability, receiver out of the backfield. Uh, I'm not as impressed with the Cowboys as everybody else. I saw this coming. I thought the Cowboys would destroy the Vikings. No, I'm being telling you. I'm telling you. Because I thought the Vikings are overvalued. The Vikings have been getting lucky week in and week out. They were due. That Cowboys defense pass rush I knew was going to heat up Kirk Cousins. And that the, I anticipated, and that did I think they'd lose by 37 points? No. Did I think they'd lose by two touchdowns? Yes. And, and the Cowboys are a bad matchup for an overvalued Vikings team. <clears throat> I think that's more of the story than, than even the Cowboys being impressive. It's the Vikings being overvalued. Uh, that's what I think the, the, the story is from yesterday. Now, the Cowboys have probably put themselves in pole position to get OBJ. Uh, mm. Jerry Jones was mm. talking about OBJ yesterday after the game, and I, I think OBJ, I think, is going to come back right after Thanksgiving. And, and there's enough momentum, and this blowout performance probably will have baited OBJ to making the Cowboys the favorite. OBJ and the Cowboys, that would be good marketing, good brand buildup for OBJ. But let's listen to Jerry Jones talk about OBJ. Before the Odell Beckham is going to visit you guys at the Giants after Thanksgiving, uh, has that been set up? You guys have a visit set up with Odell? Well, yes, but uh, uh, and I believe it at that. You're, 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 this week, this week, yeah. No, I just said yes, and I'm, I, I will leave it at that. You, your, your statement was after Thanksgiving, and that's the yes. I'm not saying just when. I'm not trying to be cute. We just don't have that set up. Okay. But we're planning to get together at the what time. What do you need to see from the medical? Again, I'm, I'm just. Uh, we're certainly it's time for us to uh, uh, sit down and visit. Huh. All right, Jerry Jones cashing in, thinking he's got a Super Bowl team, wants to add uh, OBJ. You like it? Love it? You know, this is exactly why the great Jimmy S. Johnson had a problem with Jerry. I just like, he's not he's a terrible GM. And look, I'm not completely opposed to OBJ coming to Dallas, but look at this team. There's an old phrase, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You already know C.D. Lamb's your number one. Michael Gallup is getting healthy. Okay, little Corbin is a guy that they can run in. I think he's an explosive little playmaker that's going to have an expanded role. Noah Brown can make plays. Now you got Pollard, who can absolutely be a weapon, right? And Dalton Schultz is a pretty good tight end. I give OBJ credit for last year for understanding I could be the second or third banana behind Cooper Cup and maybe even Van Jefferson. I don't know if this team needs them. If I'm Odell Beckham Jr., you have to weigh, where do I want to go, but where am I needed? I mean, I look at that Giants team, and look, they just lost Wondell Robinson, and Plaxico Burris ain't walking through that door. Lionel Manuel ain't walking through that door. But again, he probably does not not see an easy road to the Super Bowl. 
If you look at Dallas, I don't know if I want to upset this chemistry. Jason, look at their next four games, the Cowboys. Okay, before they play Philadelphia at home, they play their traditional Thanksgiving game in Dallas against the Giants. I believe the Giants will come down and they'll be struck by gravity in the second half. Okay, then they play Indy. That's probably a win. Then they play Houston. That's a win. And then they play Jacksonville. Jason, I think they have a full cupboard of offensive weapons. Don't put any more pressure on Dak to have to feed a guy. Remember the thing when they had Antonio Bryant a few years ago when he was a clear number one? There there was always this uh, belief that Dak felt pressure to feed number 88. You know what? I'm not doing that Des Bryant? Des, excuse me. Des Des Bryant. Bryant. Yeah, I got my 88s mixed up. Des Bryant was a little bit of an issue of how they dealt with him. Look, Dak in this particular offense does not have to be Troy Aikman. What he has to be is just a solid point guard and understand the running game is our friend. That is our strength. Let's make this a Tony Pollard offense with the little Zeke Elliott mixed in when we need to get the tough physical yards. I would actually say right now, if I'm Mike McCarthy, Mike, I would say, Jerry, I know you own the team, but I'm the football coach. I don't think we need them. Don't think we need them. I'll say this. The Giants are a fugazi, and OBJ would be stupid to go to the Giants. Agreed. Uh, The Giants got got their skulls cracked by the Detroit Lions yesterday. They're frauds. And so the Cowboys are in the driver's seat. Right now, okay, Dallas right now is happily married. OBJ is that one-night jump off. No, don't ruin this. It's a good union. It's a happy home. No. Keep your vows. Let me Stay loyal. Be faithful. Put a ring on that. Jeez. Just saying. All right. Uh, Micah Parsons had a, another great game. Two sacks, forced fumble. Dallas's defense, terrific again. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had another 300-yard mm. performance, knocked off. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday Night Football, and Derrick Henry is licking his wounds after leading the Titans to a Thursday Night uh, Football uh, win. Over on those are my three leading candidates for MVP, and I rank them: Derrick Henry one, Micah Parsons two, Patrick Mahomes three. That's how I see the MVP race at this moment. I think most because it's a quarterback-driven league, guys like yourself will probably lean Mahomes. Uh, but that's I see Derrick Henry as the most valuable player. He's carrying the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Michael Parsons, a strong number two. And and look, I don't want to discredit Patrick Mahomes what he's doing. They didn't have their receivers yesterday. Not only nope. you know Tyree Hill down in Miami, but they didn't have Juju Smith-Schuster. They didn't have McCole Hardman, and they put 30 points on the Chargers. No problem. Patrick Mahomes is great, but I still think it's Derrick Henry, Michael Parsons, Patrick Mahomes. You know, I don't have a, a major disagreement. I will say this: when Patrick Mahomes once again is going to have 5,000 yards at 66% passing and he's actually driving the ball probably as well as any quarterback or is consistently challenging defenses downfield he's going to have another 50 touchdown season if that's the standard he set that says a lot about him I think when it's all said and done number 15 will be the MVP Micah Parsons will win the defensive player of the year let's be honest that NFL MVP it's really about the offense specifically the quarterback 
Here's my concern about King Henry. And I think he's as indispensable and as important to any team um, in the league, right? Just because of the value that he brings. I mean, he had 87 yards on Thursday, but it felt like a lot more because he opened up everything for Tannehill, right? But remember that great movie, The Blues Brothers? Remember that movie? Uh, yeah, Jake and Elwood. Remember at the end of the movie, they had a full tank of gas, 100 miles to go in Chicago, and they had sunglasses on, but they're on a mission from God. So they're zigging and they're zagging. Great shootout scene after the concert. They had to get the check so that the Penguin could save a youth center or a church. And they pull up to that building, right? And that black Cadillac, it was a great car. It just fell apart. Remember that? Remember that? And they had a moment of silence because it just, it just fell apart. A lot of hard miles on it. I kind of worry about that with Derrick Henry. There's some miles on it, and it's almost like they over-rely on him. But again, he, he's a durable guy for the most part. Remember last year, he did not play a complete season. So in terms of sustainability and consistency, the safest bet to win that MVP is Mahomes. Steve, I, I screwed up this morning and, and forgot – to include in our prep sheet, the number one thing I want to talk with you about today is because you're a college football fan and expert, is what's happening to this Marcus Stokes, uh, the high school quarterback, four-star recruit, uh, white guy, headed to the University of Florida. He's rapping some commercial rap song that, that the hook or the chorus has the word, my N-words or something in it, and he records himself driving his car and singing the song, and he puts it over social media. And the University of Florida has stripped this man, this young man, of his scholarship. This seems criminally insane to me, that an 18-year-old kid singing a song that's put out for everybody to listen to, the, the whole design of music is to get provoke people into singing it, and we're destroying this young man's life over singing a, a rap song that everybody else in the country uh, sings. Th this, I don't, know, I don't know what the University of Florida is doing or thinking. I, I, I know the social media thing is rigged up and, and that these coaches and the administration in Florida are in a tough spot because we've created this fake alternate universe world. Uh, but this is reprehensible and repulsive. I've seen some of his high school teammates. I've seen some of his high school friends that are black tweeting out like, hey, man, y'all got Marcus Stokes all messed up. That, that ain't him at all. There's nothing racist about this dude. When is this going to stop? When is the gotcha, hey, you sung a rap song uh, thing? When, when is that going to stop? Never. And... This may surprise you, but Marcus Stokes, I think it was a lot easier for the Gators to drop him after they flipped Jaden Rashad, another four-star quarterback that might have a higher ceiling. Look, this is a business. But I know Marcus is young. And look, I know a lot of people are going to have that argument about the context of that particular word. That shall not be spoken, right? Here's the issue, though. Uh, Marcus, you don't understand what's been taking place for the past 15 years. He should have known better. Look, I get it that he's young, but in the age of social media where you see all the outrage, you see all the virtue signaling, you're telling me you did not realize saying 
that word was going to get you into trouble. It, like, we have so far gone beyond, well, it's the context, right? The context is, and it's not fair, and this is the rules, if you're a white guy, don't say it. In fact, be careful even when you say the word Neanderthal or ninja. That's the case. I, look, growing up, this is like, growing up, I used to hear this all the time from the white folks. Oh, my God. If they could say the word, how come I can't? And after a while, I just said, well, first of all, why would you want to? Second of all, see that big six, seven guy with the Nation of Islam garb that looks like he came out of Rikers with all those tattoos? Looks like he bench presses 450 pounds on a light day. Yeah, go ahead. Tell it to him. If you really want to say it that badly, go ahead. Look, no one is saying it's fair. I think there's a certain. I'm going to tell you why they want to say it. Let me tell you why they want to say why? it is because popular culture has there, made it no so popular. You're that, that you can't listen right. to a rap song that isn't built around that word, and everybody's partying and dancing and singing and and, and Kanye. When these guys go on concerts, and when Kanye West said, "I ain't saying she's a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no," they all scream it at a concert. The rappers ask I'm, them to, and it's a concert. Filled with white people and the rappers ask the audience to sing it and say it. We, we, we act, it's human nature. If, if, if you see somebody appearing to have, oh, they're having fun. They're all screaming the N word. That looks like fun. And, and they're making money off of it. Blah, blah, blah. It's going to make people want to do it. Again, my, my, my reaction to the whole thing is why does anybody want to say it? Black, I'm white, with, look, whatever. You are right. But look, the dearly departed DMX, the dearly departed DMX had a great run. The guy had like four albums in like seven months back in. I mean, what a run. He it was the Archimore of hip hop, right? He had one of his catchiest songs is My Ninja, right? I mean, Bernard Hopkins used to love that song. My. And so if you were a, a, a black boxer who came out to that, everyone would be bobbing their head there might be people that are singing along with it people holding up the belts bundini brown doing the crip walk if that's your entourage but if you're a white guy in that audience don't you dare sing along you, you just can't do it that's the rule in fact could you imagine if a white boxer could you imagine if kelly pavlik came out to my ninja oh that would be awkward but that's the rules i didn't make the rules it's, it's like that old line from Roddy Piper. Every time you have the answers, I change the questions. It's not fair, but that's what it is. And so my whole problem is, Steve, I don't believe in playing by their rules because I think right. their rules are stupid, silly, and divisive, and we have to man up and quit playing by their stupid rules because if we play by their stupid rules, we're always going to be divided, always. And, and so let's quit playing by their rules. Let's practice forgiveness. Let's practice uh, young people. Again, I, I spit on someone in high school that I was bullying. That's much worse than Marcus Stokes repeating the N-word in a rap song. Much worse. It, it leaves like real scars. And so all this game of pretending like, oh, my God, when a white person says that word, I just ball up and cry. And it reminds me of all the pain of my ancestors. That's all a gimmick. It's a lie. It's a lie. And everybody knows it. Because if that word was reprehensible, it wouldn't be black people's favorite word in the dictionary. 
even though it is. Yeah, well, we, you know, it's like crack you cocaine, know you know. You know what I'm learning about hip-hop all these years later? See, Dolores Tucker should have been taken more seriously. We should have listened to her, okay? But this is ironic. Remember Riley Cooper, the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles receiver who dropped yeah. that word at a concert? Because By the way, he went to the University of Florida, too. I found that interesting. Ironic, right? And there was this big debate about should he lose his job? Should he get cut? The Eagles decided, now nah, you're good enough. We're going to keep you. I don't remember that actually dividing the locker room. I believe deep down inside of a lot of the players probably are like, yeah, I mean, we use it all the time. It really doesn't have much cachet as it did. I'm not going to let it bother me. Maybe they were bothered by it. But I don't remember it being that big of a distraction, except for that one week when everyone spoke about it. But I, that's the general rule. If you're not black, don't use the word, no matter how illogical, how unfair, doesn't matter about context, just don't use that word. Just don't. What percentage, what percentage of Florida's actions are because they landed another quarterback recruit? And they were looking um, for a way to get out from underneath them. What what percentage would you put on that? Uh, I would say some. I think it lessens. I mean, Rashad is a pretty good player. I've seen him. He was supposed to go to Miami. Then he decided to flip. He's pretty talented. He's actually out of uh, Northern California. He's a good player. He's a type of guy that's probably going to be their quarterback of the future after Anthony Richardson. I would say that he's ranked higher than Marcus Stokes. But there's another thing. This is all about optics, like much of virtue signaling, which we're seeing a lot of in Qatar. We'll talk about that later. But they did not want this, in my view, the University of Florida and Billy Napier, to possibly impact their recruiting of other black players. That's my view of it. It's like, oh, if we keep them, other teams are going to really use this negatively against us on the trail. And they're going to say, hey, you're going to go to a school that lets a player post something like that, not us. We would never do that. So a lot of this, again, is virtue signaling, and it's really about the ability to recruit other players down the line. I don't think, again, Marcus Stokes may be a fine young man. I'm really glad that his teammates have enough guts to actually stand up and say, wait a minute, he's actually a good guy. We're good with them. That takes a lot of courage nowadays in 2022. But unfortunately, an institution or an athletic department like Florida or anyone playing big-time Division One football is almost handcuffed and has to make this punitive decision. Uh, Marcus, if you're out there uh, watching this or someone sends this to Marcus, tell him I would love for him to commit to Ball State University. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pave the way. I'll get Dave Letterman. We'll put an NIL deal together for you. Uh, <laughs> We'll take you at Ball State. All right. Thank you, Steve. Great job, as always. Uh, get your Fearless Army swag. Shop blazemedia.com slash fearless. Uh, we're going to continue our football discussion. Uh, Jason Brown, Last Chance Q, is going to join us. He's got an interesting theory on what's going on with injuries in the NFL and the NBA, all related to weed. He also wants to talk some Lamar Jackson. We'll do all that. Thanks. Need me. 
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Uh, time for a little Last Chance Q and a conversation with Jason Brown. You guys remember from Last Chance U. You remember from this show. Uh, Jason Brown comes on and gives us some of the best quarterback evaluations, football evaluations, and sports evaluations on this show or anywhere you can find on these internets. Uh, JB, welcome back to the show. Uh, before we get into your main topic, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, break down what's going on with Lamar Jackson. I believe... Uh, in his last maybe seven games, he's got six TDs and six turnovers. Uh, they knocked off the Carolina Panthers yesterday, but didn't do it in impressive fashion. Uh, Lamar placed a big bet on Lamar Jackson, and I'm not sure. He may be losing some contract leverage. What, what are you seeing? I mean, I hate to say, you know, I told everyone so, but he's just being Lamar Jackson. No, you don't. <laughs> great talent, great talent, great athlete. Uh, but once you start to schematically uh, adjust in the NFL, like D coordinators do, they get a lot of paid a lot of money to do so. Um, they start to get film on you, right? So there's been film now accumulated through the, the season. And we're into week 10 now. You've got nine game films or whatever. And now you're starting to say, okay, let's pin our ears back. Let's do a few things schematically to keep him in the pocket, make him throw, which he does not want to do. That's not his strong suit. And in the NFL, I just don't think you can uh, live and die with your feet. Look at Justin Fields. He's now possibly injured. Uh, the sustainability is just not there um, with this type of uh, skill set. And I'm sorry, you got to be able to throw the football on time from the pocket and this history has not only proven that, but uh, I think I've I've been right on uh, hitting the nail on the head here when I talk about these quarterbacks. Nothing personal. It's just the truth, and the truth is now uh, setting some folks free. I I was watching the Colts Eagles game and thought about you uh, because Jalen Hurts made a couple of plays that were highlight plays. But I was watching him going, oh, JB hates this. He's just kind of running around, and with his feet, he ended up making a great play, and the announcers are all excited. But a coach is sitting over going, oh, my God, this is a nightmare scenario. And, and the Eagles got lucky yesterday and were able to pull it out. But, but I'm wondering, do you think there's any similarities between Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts? There is. Uh, uh, Jalen has increased his uh, throwing ability but because he went out and got better uh, skill set-wise. So he got technically sound over the, over the offseason. His platforms changed, his throwing mechanics, his elbow height. It, we call this the platform. Last year he was real low. This year he's keeping his elbow high. The ball is being delivered a lot more fluently. Uh, he looks a lot better. But at the same time, his production just does not equal success. His production, touchdowns versus interceptions, uh, I think he's got 15 touchdowns on the season, four interceptions. That's just not enough for me. For my starting quarterback in the NFL, 
you know, I need 25 touchdowns by now. This is this is a barely a touchdown a game. Like we're barely a touchdown and a half a game. And this is the second week in a row, Jason. Jalen's thrown for under 200 yards. You, the production value just does not. You need chunk yards in the teeth of defenses late in the season to win playoff games. And 175 yards last week, they lost. 195 yards yesterday, should have lost, but they got it done. So he's still, you know, a one-loss team, the Eagles. But it's starting to show, is this team, you know, really that team that we're worried about in the NFC? Or is it now Dallas again? Or is it now Washington with the quarterback who I've said should have been replacing Carson Wentz weeks ago? And now he's uh he's looks like he's a five and one quarterback all of a sudden and the Washington uh commanders are now a legitimate team to worry about just because of the energy, the defense they play, and the style they play. Um, you know, now you have to worry about them. And then and so Jalen Hurts, I, like I said, I just don't see him winning a Super Bowl just for the fact that he doesn't do more the the positives don't outweigh the negatives um in a large enough margin let me say it that way there's not enough positive to the negative it's kind of even you know you, oh he didn't throw any picks coach but he didn't throw any touchdowns either that doesn't help me I, like i told a story on my show today i threw three picks in a game two of them picked sixes i threw six touchdowns though we won the game i don't care about throwing picks but if your production value is outweighs the average to negative then that's what we need and that's what you've seen tom brady throw six touchdowns in a game and three picks so is aaron Rodgers. but you know what they won the game and the yardage the chunk yardage and the touchdowns get it done at the end of the day which i think is the common denominator in winning super bowls all right so yesterday you texted me uh or we talked i can't remember about your theory that uh, there's an uptick in injuries in the NFL and the NBA, and you're relating it to the excessive weed smoking of professional athletes. You made me go look up studies uh, that talk about bone density reduction from weed smoke. You, you told me yesterday you, your show this morning uh, was going to focus on this topic. Could you unpack as best you can what what you're seeing and, and explain this theory yeah so like over the weekend i was like i was thinking about it and i was like you know what i hated weed uh around my teams my players when i was younger my you know we all grew up with the stuff everyone smoked weed everyone we grew up with smoked weed the difference i think in that, back then and now uh, and i hate to be that old man on the front lawn yelling right everybody's gonna say that but the truth of the matter is, even the guys we played with, Jason, like you did at Ball State, like you did in high school, whatever it may be, what I did in junior college and college, the, the dudes on the team were like, you know what, we're bought into buying into our brotherhood, our teammates. We're not going to screw this up. So we're going to cut down on the weed during season. And this used to be a conscious effort by the players. Like we used to hear that all the time, man. And the coaches would reiterate, hey, man, I know you guys smoke, but let's calm down. This is season time. And I think players understood it. We took it for serious. We took it serious. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, there's no way we have 900 professional athletes. Um, and unfortunately, it's a demographic drug, right? It's a social, socio 
cultural drug that we talk about when we talk about marijuana. You know, you talk about uh, white trash a lot in the backwoods. What is, what is the drug of choice? Uh, probably meth. Meth. Uh, the drug of choice in the hood, Jason. Uh, it's probably weed, weed. Or, or crack. Uh, you know how many crack babies I've recruited and coached? Um, so it, it is a cultural thing, in my opinion, as far as the weed goes. And what is the NBA 99% of? What is the NFL 99% of? African-American, black males. And I've been looking at this study, and I'm sitting there like, why are we have so many injuries? And why, when they are healing or come back, it is at a 75% slower rate than just 10 years ago? The return rate on an injury is 75% less now than it used to be. So uh, it was 75% quicker just 10 years ago to return from an injury, especially a bone injury or a soft tissue injury or a muscular injury. Now I'm looking into this. I've talked to six doctors over the weekend. Uh, my mom's one as well has been dealing with bones, but I, I said, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm going to try to be as non-biased as possible. I'm not going to use her information. She tells me on my show this morning. So I didn't. Um, but what I have found out, like, Heavy cannabis users, they got lower bone, hip bone mineral density, meaning if you look at Zion Williamson, what was wrong with him last year? Hip. Guess what he did afterwards? Blew up, blossomed, heavy. That is the number one common denominator when you smoke weed, marijuana, sits there and, okay, now my bones aren't healing like we once thought they would or they used to because we smoke so much. And now we're not healing, plus we are more susceptible to injury in the bone. And I brought up all these graphics today. I brought up all these pictures. I sent you a few. The NBA is riddled with bone fra fraction uh, uh, fractures. The NBA has more hamstring and soft tissue injuries we've ever seen before. And that has to do, you got a hamstring injury, guess what? The bone supporting it is very very brittle and no one's talking about it and jason i'm not sitting here saying it's factual all i'm saying is why has no one brought this up and is it if it is a thing maybe we come out and say you know what this is a real thing let's let's halt on the weed and the marijuana and let's see what happens can we recover can we and i had a guy on my show today we argued it and he loved he smoked weed after he retired and i said listen you had a bone issue. Did you? What made you retire from the NFL? Uh, I had a bone issue. My knee. I said, did you ever look into it if it was weed? Uh, no. How do we know? That's all my point is. Like, what are we? What if this really is a thing, Jason? I'm just gonna tell you. I've had. I've had. A, I've witnessed this. Uh, playing with a buddy of mine who played. All he did was smoke every single day. No water. And from what I do know, from my mom and other doctors. The intake of water needs to be 10 times the amount of what you inhale. And if we're inhaling smoke, and I don't care, we're, let's not even talk about marijuana. Let's say cigarettes. Let's say cigars. Let's say any type of vape, vape, whatever you want to do. That smoke gets into you. The microfibers of the smoke get into your bone marrow, into your bone, and it starts to deteriorate. And if you don't drink enough water, it becomes, it makes your bones so brittle just like any dehydration, just like if we're taking, uh, you know, pre-workout. You got to drink 10 times the amount of water. You got hamstring pulls. You got tear, torn muscles. Have to hydrate. 
you know damn well these cats ain't drinking water like we once did. And you know we're smoking weed higher than we ever have. John Morantz, Zion Williamson, Kevin Love. It's come out documented. These guys smoke. So, like, I'm not saying it's bad or I'm not a hater on it. All I'm saying is let's do some research. And in 10 years, this thing comes out and is really a fact why we have so many injuries and why we're not recovering. Um, I mean, the Chargers, I mean, I pulled up rosters, Jason. 20, 30 players on each team have been injured or, or, or hurt because of either a fraction, I mean, a fractured bone, a stress fracture, or some type of high ankle sprain. Um, and then we have hamstrings at an all-time high. And I'm starting to put all the correlation together, correlating everything. I'm like, you know what? This could be real. And no one wants to bring it up. And you know what, Jason? What's funny, and I'll leave you at this, anyone that's pro-anything is always going to fight the fact that this could be something. And I had a chat of 500 people live today, and they're just, Coach, alcohol's worse. And I'm like, listen, that's not the debate. I've never drank a fifth of cognac and went out and played and found out, oh, like there's no correlation. This isn't a relative thing. I'm just saying that this could be a real thing. And if all the weed smokers in my chat, Jason, were uh, hated me today, and everyone that was open-minded and said, ah, you know, dehydration, smoke, brittle bone, could be onto something. So anyone that's thinking outside the box and understanding anything at all uh, in the medical field, you can probably look it up. And I actually got unfortunate. I had a nurse on today, and she said all her doctors totally agree and say that is a true thing. Bone, brit uh, bone density is a real thing, marijuana, and smoke in general. And you do need to hydrate. And I don't think our youth is doing it enough. And I don't think we're doing it enough. And I'm just throwing it out there. Heavy cannabis uh, use. I, I got these stats in front of me. I mean, it's like in just in the last 10 years, Jason, the recovery rate from player, professional athletes, basketball and football only right now. I haven't done anything else. But an interesting deal is, though, why is it hockey players coming up injured every day with bone issues, with soft tissue, with muscular issues, and why are they returning so fast? Now, they may be taking a whole nother drug, but maybe weed ain't the one because they're playing. They're available, Jason, and as you know. Let me ask, I, I want to ask this question because I think the point you're making is very relevant, is everything we've heard about weed smoke the last 10 years is like, oh, it's one of the greatest things in the world helps your glaucoma. It helps you inflammation. It's, it's everything's like weed smokes the greatest thing in the world. And oh my God, if we all just smoke weed, it'd all be a happy place. It's too good to be true. There's nothing like that, that like, oh my God, this is, this is the greatest thing in the world. It makes you fat. It makes you lazy. It, it, it messes with your attention span. It, 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 it does so many negative things. And look, anything that is that popular in hip hop, I'm just sorry. It's not a good thing. There's not, that's like, oh yeah, you know, killing black people, that's popular in hip hop. It's a bad thing. Oh, disrespect to women, it's popular in hip hop. It's a bad thing. Disrespect among black men, it's a bad thing. All of the things, and so, oh, hip hop promotes weed smoke. And I'm supposed to believe it's the greatest thing in the world. I've never believed it. I used to smoke weed when I was in college. Uh, and, and, you know, occasionally, what, you know, maybe my senior year when I was done playing football more. But, but you are right. I can remember in my day, and this is in the 80s, 
uh, guys did like, oh, I ain't doing this during the season. Uh, and we took the season seriously. And I can even remember, I'm not going to name the quarterback, but, but the players ran off a quarterback. On our, they went to the coaches and complained that he was smoking too much weed during the season. And uh, the players took it upon themselves to snitch on the dude and say he's not reliable, he smokes too much weed, sets a bad tone, and they ran him off the team. It's, it's, times have changed. I I agree. It's worth looking at. It's worth looking at and asking what are the ramifications. Yeah, I'm not saying it's factual evidence. I'm just saying that this, there is some, there is some numbers out there. And I'm going to say like this, Jason, compile that. With lack of sleep with this youth, this generation, video games and cell phones at an all-time high, there's guys' reports out there, these virtual reality glasses games that are – these guys are going 20 hours straight without sleep. Now, compile that with smoking weed, which I know these players in the NBA and the NFL play video games at an all-time rate, don't sleep at an all-time rate, and smoke weed at an all-time rate. You compile all that together – and you look at the bodies of our professional athletes today. I wish I could share my screen because I can show you the NBA players that are hurt. They're not Dwight Howard looking dudes. These guys are sloppy. They're like, they're, it's like in the NFL, the same thing with the NFL player. They're not the same guys that we want. There's no TOs no more. There's no, none of these guys that really cared about their bodies. NBA, NFL, otherwise. But we are caring about video games, smoking weed. And, you know, weed gives you the munchies, man. I'm not going to say nothing else, but I'm just saying it is very interesting at least to look at. And uh, I've got some great data this weekend talking to six different doctors, three that I knew, three that I didn't, that I got to meet. And they all agree and they all say, you know what? It is a very valid point. But guess what? Two of the doctors told me, Jason, I bet you nobody ever hears from it on mainstream media. You know why? Marijuana makes too much money for us. We make too much money. So why would we bring it up? Why would we bring up that it hurts the bones? Why would we bring up that it hurts recovery rates? It's just like the whole, you know, any conspiracy theory you can ever think of. And, you know, there's more in the pharmaceutical world than any other, probably. Um, that is another another medication. And I'm not Maybe I'm it. connected to I'm connected to the conversation I was having at the beginning of the show about Kyrie Irving is is the power brokers, the puppet masters. They want these athletes drunk, high, and stupid. They're easier to control. Put put a joint in their hand, put a video game controller in their hand, put social media in their hands, go play with that, go smoke a joint, go tweet, go on Instagram, DM, and go play these video games, and shut up, we'll make all the decisions for you. And it's that, they, they have, they have legalized the drugs to make these guys more docile, more malleable, uh, more simple, and, and it's worked. And you can't even have the conversation because, oh, my God. And now smoking weed is now a black thing. And if you don't smoke weed, you're not really black and all this other stuff. It, it, it's, hey, it's a sad place. JB, I got to let you go. Go ahead. Get final thought, and I'm going to let you go. Hey, I'll leave, I'll leave you at this. I've never seen in the, in my life as a as a player with a teammate, as a coach with a player, not one thing you can show me that is positive from smoking weed. Not one. I've never <coughs> seen a guy throw for 400 yards high as a kite. I've never seen a guy break six tackles and win me a football game. You know what I have seen? I've seen him miss assignments. I've seen him drop footballs. I've seen him 
blow assignments. I've seen him miss tackles. I've seen him miss weight room, study hall in class. I've never seen guys just, oh, this is the best thing ever. And if it was, Jason, I think we'd have a cure for cancer and everything else they're talking about. Why don't we? If it's so great. I'm just confused here on this whole weed thing. And I've never smoked, Jason. That's probably why I'm against it. But also at the same time, you know, being around it in athletics, you know, I, I would find it hard to believe. I'm curious to see, Jason, the Virginia shooting, the New Mexico State shooting that just occurred. I'm hearing it's over weed and females just from having buddies on those in those programs. A shocker. It's about weed and another black male or female gets shot over weed. No way. And people don't want to talk about it, though. It's unbelievable to me. That's just what it is. Hey, guys, by the way, Kyler Murray didn't play last week. Cardinals look pretty dang good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They play tonight, don't they? Don't the Cardinals play tonight? Tonight. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see if Kyler returns and what he does. Thank you, JB. I got to go. I can think of one all-time great, not a Hall of Famer, but a great NFL player who couldn't practice or play unless he was high on marijuana. Andre Roger. Uh, uh, <laughs> so he would probably dispute JB. But uh, anyway, that's tomorrow. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. We want freedom. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want.